Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone and welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. It may well be the summer, there may be no football to talk about, especially no transfer activity to talk about, um, but you can't get rid of me that easily. I am, over the course of the next few weeks, going to be bringing you a few special episodes of Rule the Roost podcast, where I'm going to be talking to a number of different Spurs fans who have a different story to tell. Um, it will make sense when you do listen to them, uh, and you will listen to them. My ego won't allow me to think otherwise. Um, but first up, we're going to be speaking to Rich Grove. Uh, Rich is an archaeologist by trade, um, but quite recently he's been working on a project where he's been basically archiving some of the stories, some of the memories um, that are held within White Hart Lane, um, or what was White Hart Lane previously, um, uh, yeah, obviously he came to my attention on Twitter. We chatted for a bit about a few different things, um, all around sort of history and something called semiotics that he spoke to me about before, um, symbolism and how this all ties in and how we create physical things, how we become a part of something that's physical, um, just for its very nature of being there and our shared experiences in these places, um, but Rich explains all this a lot better. So I'll stop chatting now um, and let you hear the show. Uh, enjoy. My uncle, Laurie Yearly, uh, who is the guy who's responsible for me being a fan, um, his grandfather was a chairman of the Sporters Club in the 50s and his father ran um, the, the garage where all the players in the 60s and 70s used to get their lease cars from. Um, and so the players are always in and out of the family garage having their cars uh, repaired and so on. And, and, and so it's kind of, it's although I'm from the Midlands, that it's in that side of my family. So when I was very young, I had the two footballing influences were, were Laurie and my other uncle, Jeremy, who is a died-in-the-wall Chelsea fan. And luckily for me, <laughs> Laurie won out. So, um, yeah. So. That's pretty cool about the lease, because you, you got any decent anecdotes from the... Uh... No, no, I've been trying to sort of tease these things out a lot and, and he's he's remarkably tight-lipped about it all, which is a real shame um, because I'm sure there are some blinding stories about, you know, quietly having dents knocked out of cars on a Sunday morning and so on. Yeah, yeah, one of these old, uh, old school professionals. <laughs> That's though, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a different game in the 70s, weren't it? So, yeah, 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 I can so, imagine it was actually, wasn't it? Yeah, um, so, um, yeah, I mean, that's where it comes from. I mean... I, 
I am trying to persuade him to let me put some of it down uh, on paper because um, sort of unfortunately, Laurie, he's not very well, so he's uh, he doesn't really have the strength to, to, to do it very often. But I mean, I've got some some nice footballing stories from him, and uh, when he he started going to see Spurs, it was you know seeing the likes of Stanley Matthews and that coming you know as an away player and yeah, um, you know he, the big long short. Yeah, so, that's yeah. it. Yeah, so he sort of. We've got, I've got some nice stories about him, you know, spending his childhood pressed up against the little white picket fencing that was around the edge of the pitch, you know, and being passed forward through the crowds and that. So, um, you know, when we get a bit of time, we'll start writing all that stuff yeah. up. Yeah. So, was it Laurie that first took you to the Spurs? Or? Uh, no, no, it wasn't actually. It was my granddad, who was an Aston Villa fan. Uh, and the first game he took me to was the first time we went to Coventry after the 1987 FA Cup. So it was about, it was an early autumn game. I can't remember the um, the exact sort of time of year, but it was really early in the season. And of course, you know, a couple of months previously, they'd beaten us in the cup final. Um, and uh, and they beat us that day as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now it's a nice introduction. It was, yeah. So it was, you know, it was, it, it's been pretty stable all the way through. You know, I never had any delusions of yeah. grandeur. They were knocked out of me early. So. And, uh, <laughs> So, like your your journey from there, did you just go on from there? You sort of like independently took it up and started getting more invested in the history. Well, funnily or... enough, I mean, what happened was, like I said, my other uncle Jeremy, who was a much closer family link, um, he used to take me quite a lot. Even though he was a Chelsea fan, he used to bring me to Spurs, um, and we started off going to away games. I mean, he took me to Derby, um, to the Villa. Um, where else we went. And then, you know, he bought me to, to White Hart Lane for the first time to see Spurs Chelsea um, in 1990. And um, and that was it, really. I mean, I went from there, you know, from that point, we went to the, we went to the, um, the Cup Final and then uh, the Cup Winners' Cup Games the following season. And by the time, um, I mean, I, by the time I left school, I'd started going on my own. So yeah, I mean, I just I just sort of went from there, and and the sort of history of it is, I mean, that's in my blood anyway. So I'm, you know, I'm always uh, always wanting to learn more about it, you know. And obviously, growing up around older Spurs fans, you know, you heard all about the double, and you know, people yeah, that yeah, watched yeah. Jimmy Greaves and and Danny Blanchflower and that, and uh, so you sort of grew up on the mythology of it. Yeah. You know, sort of thinking, who's this shite watching now? Well, you know, yeah. you know, there was and a start. All these con- glorious memories. Well, there was a stark contrast. You know, I mean, very fair enough. When I first started watching Spurs, it was the remnants of the '84 UEFA team. You know, yeah. so um, you know, we still had. I know Clements wasn't in goal for the for the UEFA Cup win, but you know, we still had those kind of era of players, and and um, Clive Allen was still there, and those kind of guys. So it was at the end of, you know, I think that was a team that should have done an awful lot more than it did um, because it was a fabulously talented group of players. Um, and sort of like the benchmark for this current crop, isn't it? People seem it to say is, they're like the best since. Yes, the, yeah, best since, you know. I mean, certainly the first team that I was really all over in terms of knowing about the personnel and, and being a, a, an avid fan was uh, was Gascoigne and Lineker and, yeah. you know, that... that that, that cup winning squad of the, of the early 90s um, and I thought it, it, it was going to be cups all the way you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little did I know yeah. that you know behind closed doors and, and you sort of look back on it now and you know there are a few things that stick out in the memory you know having points deducted and not having the ground 
background ready for the start of the season. That was another Coventry match. Got really? postponed, yeah. We had to have the first game of the season postponed because uh, the, re- the redevelopment of the East Stand. That's been a bit of a bogey team for us, actually, because Strachan, he kept them up, didn't he? With yeah, a win on yeah, the last day. Played at Spurs, Spurs, yeah. I don't think it had a massive... Did it have any impact on Isaac, really? Not really. Yeah. I don't think anything did. I think... We, we were like Charlton in them days, weren't we? By the time we hit 40 points, we'd finished yeah, playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On but, the beach. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, no, they were, they were a bloody thorn in my side anyway. Certainly living up nearer them. And, and Coventry fans were the pain in my life when I was younger, yeah. uh, physically and mentally, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, you sort of look back at that time and you think... Um, we, you know, we were nearly, we nearly went under, and and there was me sort of wandering around, thinking that Gascoigne wasn't going to leave, and that, you know, we were going to win the bloody league the next year. And, well, Christ, it's taken a long time to come back from that, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> well, we're, we're nearly there, nearly there. Um, so you, you said that you you first went in 1990. Yeah. To White Island. So I think I'm right in saying that that's the stadium as it is now, aside for the odd little. No, the, no, the, the Park Lane and the Paxton were different there. Oh, were they? Yeah, they yeah, still they the still old... had the sort of asbestos roof on them and, and you know, the, the bottom tiers were, were projected forward and only really the upper, the back bit was roof. If yeah. I remember rightly, certainly the Paxton was, was different. Um, when was it finished to its latest? I mean, that was under sugars. Because, first of all, they put... The, the, I can't remember the exact sort of staging of how it... How it developed piece by piece, but I seem to remember that um, I think they did. I think they did the Paxton um, first, and I know they put like the enclosure, the bowl, as it were, that we lost last year. When they originally put that up, it was like panelling in the upper tier. There wasn't really an upper tier for I think at least a season on, on one of the ends, at least. Um, and at one time they had. Um, plans to develop the whole thing as a three-tier bowl, like the new one will be. Um, they, you know, they were going to redevelop Right Art Lane piecemeal and it was going to be sort of 55,000. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they drew up, there were all these images that had been drawn up. Um, I'm trying to think, um, Groundtastic, who is, they, they do a, a magazine. I think they've published in one of their issues um, some of the old pictures. And you look back on it now and think, God, you know, that would have been a very different, Different place, but yeah, it did change. You know, it's. Um... So I remember even Enoch when they first came in, they were going to put a third tier yeah. on, like, I think, the East and West stands. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, up it to about 48,000. I think, I seem to think, um, which is probably a bit contradictory in terms of what turned out to happen, I seem to think it was planning restrictions on parts of um, the East stand and maybe some of the other buildings on Park Lane and Worcester Avenue might have been listed. Obviously, you got Warmington House yeah. and that on on the uh, the high road side, um, but I mean, planning law has changed in the last fifteen years quite a lot. So um, it may be that they weren't permitted to do then what they can do now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know, it, it, obviously, I'm very positive about the new ground, and I don't want to be come across as one of those guys that's going to spend the rest of my life griping about what it used <laughs> to be like. But uh, you know, I, I always think it's nice when you see a football ground that is evolving you know, um, almost organically as the need and the money comes in, you know. Um, and you sort of look at places like Old Trafford, and I guess they're doing it at, um, at Liverpool as well, you know, they're adding on rather than starting again. Um, Newcastle's quite a famous one. If you go to St James's Park, half of it's over the old main road. Yeah. You know, and I think they did the same at Villa as well. I can't remember, it's been a few years since I went there. 
um, on the, um, the Doug Ellis stand, I think it is. We used to have wooden benches when we used to go in the 80s and 90s. They've still got a few at Goodison, don't they? Have they? Yeah, in the away end, I think. They've... That's one ground I've never been to. It's, it's quite it's sort of reminiscent of White Hart Lane, I well, felt, that, just that, that similar kind yeah, of... Yeah, well, that, that, that one big stand they've got always reminds me of the shelf. You know, yeah, got yeah, the tri- yeah. The triple yeah. deck, you yeah. know, so I know it's not the same, but it does always make me think of it, you know. Um, but, of course, they're leaving now as well, aren't they? They are, yeah, they're going some swanky thing on the harbour, aren't they? On yeah, the dock. Some, on like, the dock. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do have it on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think part of it is they're, they're building some artificial island or something, I don't know. Uh, knows, but, yeah. I mean, we, we, we sort of touched on it already there, that you're looking yeah. forward to the new stadium. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is pretty much the main reason you're here today, Rich, well, to talk about, yeah, in, about in your, yeah, in your position as a as an archaeologist, yes. aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a, an unofficial archaeologist of Tottenham Hotspur, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> as if the club bloody needed one. <laughs> what led you to, what led you to that, man? Like, first of all? What, I for guess, the archaeology for the club? Or just, well, just archaeology in general, was it? Well, a, I mean, a, I, grew, I grew up on a farm and I spent my, uh, my life driving machinery and digging holes and yeah. And and variously in various guises being in holes in the ground, uh, and then um, like professionally, I came to it almost by accident, um, and I ended up going to university, which I never thought I'd do, and, and getting a couple of degrees in it, and starting my own firm, and and really, I mean, I'm a landscape archaeologist, so archaeology is a bit more nuanced than you might uh, initially know. That you you know you have specialists, but as well as people that are really anally interested in things like Roman pottery. And you can tell those guys because they've got leather patches on their arms, you know. And, and they literally do, you know, they spend their entire lives looking at one style of pot. And it's, it's incredible what you can learn from that sort of stuff, but it's also, it's an exercise in navel-gazing, I think. But um, I'm more along the, long, the lines of being, I'm what's called a landscape archaeologist, so I look at the big stuff. Yeah. Um, and one of the interesting sort of developments in my field is really the, the growth of what, is understood about cityscapes and urban landscapes. Now, it's very easy to wax lyrical about the Lake District or the Cairngorms in Scotland or the South Downs or any of these wonderful sort of um, almost monumental landscapes that we've got in the country uh, on a rural scale, but very few people talk about urban scapes um, on what I would consider to be a democratic scale. So... For instance, where we are now, you know, we're by Hardy Park and there's all this lovely Georgian and Victorian architecture and, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, the the Romanesque and and this, um, you know, you've got places like UCL where it's all pillars and, you know, it's all very classical. People would talk about cityscapes in those terms about, you know, um, about uh, reverential and and high status and and all the, the things that inspire that, but... Um, when it comes to the high street and, you know, the chicken shop and the pubs and the football ground, you know, uh, it's only really now being understood, that, or not really understood, it's only getting any academic attention now. Um, and, and so I sort of was led to it, it's just one of those things that I stood there one day and thought, I wonder if anybody's doing anything about this. You know, obviously with the ground being knocked down and it going further and it's taking down some of the architecture and, you know, the pub's gone on the yeah. corner and, um, you know, Warmington House is going to be sort of, uh, you know, sealed in aspic, as it were, mm. it's going to be inside something. Uh, and and, and what, 
people don't tend to realise is, is that these landscapes are as important to your identity and your character as your Hyde Park and your Buckingham Palaces. You know, yeah, they don't put them on the side of London buses, but but that's what makes us who we are. And I think it was one of the first things you and I spoke about was about the billboard, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and, and how, you know, those kind of little, tiny little intrinsic hooks are what you hang your, your memories on. Like, to me, the important thing was at White Hart Lane was that there was this little stairwell in the the, the, the north end of the West Stand, uh, this concrete stairwell when it was all still four separate stands. Um, and there was a slit, you know, a little window slit in it. And as you went up the stairs, you peeked through and you could see the goal mouth and the bo- bottom few tiers of, the, of Paxton. And um, that was my first glimpse of the pitch at Spurs. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it was, I saw, you know, Eric Torsvet warming up in goal, you know, as we were going up to take our seats the first time I went. Uh, uh, and that's the thing that's indelibly linked, marked in my mind, you know. And, you know, the, the seemingly endless walk from the Seven Sisters. You know, that that when you were when you were eleven years old, you know, it's like are yeah. we ever gonna get to this place? To be fair, it's even like that for me. Well, yeah, well it's worse <laughs> now, isn't it? Because you know how far it is. But yeah. Um, you know, and so it's kind of like I just wanted to make people aware to start with and just say, Look, look around, soak it up, take some pictures. It might not be Buckingham Palace, but you'll miss it when it's gone. Um and it went from there. And um Really, I mean, it, as a kernel of an idea of a, as a project that it's grown into, it, <clears throat> last year's Supporters Trust barbecue at the Antwerp Arms, where Ledley King was there, I just got a bit of an idea and I thought, I'm going to ask him if, if you know, he thinks anybody at the club would be interested. Uh, and he was utterly baffled by what I was on about. He had a look of utter bemusement on his face. Very polite, nice bloke, you know, he, was just, he didn't have a scooby about what I was getting at. Luckily for me, his kind of handler, a guy called Tony Stevens, was stood next to him, and he went, I know what you mean, and he gave me his card and said, get in touch. And uh, he and I went on to have quite a useful sort of discussion via email, which came to an end, unfortunately, when the club went, we've got plans of our own and we're not interested in involving anybody else in anything. But uh, when I was talking to him, at least, he was really interested in it. From that point, I thought, yeah, actually, this is going to be a worthwhile thing to pursue. So, um, you know, and at that point, um, some of the, you know, the fighting cock lads had done the, uh, the Memory Lane yep. short film. And, and so, you know, some other things started to appear of a similar kind of nature. But um, I was more along the lines of I wanted my take on it or, or what I gave people to take away from it was going to be more along the lines of, your own memories rather than, you know, footage of past players and, yeah. and what went on on the pitch. Um, which, of course, is, is it makes it individual as a project, but it also means that most of the time when you engage with people and say, what are your memories? They'll say, oh, when Bale did this or when Gascoigne did that, you know, and you say, well, actually, I don't really know what, I don't want to know about what goes on on the pitch. Because yeah. that's really re- readily documented. It's what goes on in the stands, you know. It's where you always used to meet, you might always used to meet all my mates at half-time in the east stand and, and smoking the stairwells when we were allowed we were always allowed to smoke in the stairwells but never in the seats you know and so you used to go at half time and chain smoke about 10 fags you know and it'd always be the same group of people hanging off the stairs you know um, and nobody will ever document that no. no it'll never get recorded yeah so so yeah that's 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 where it came from I just wanted to make sure you know that, that people had somebody go if nothing else just enjoy it you know so, what is it you're actually creating? Well, what I'm doing is I'm 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 putting together stories, 
Um, and so it'll probably have a range of outputs. Um, so there'll be still be some sort of um, uh, compilation of personal stories or anecdotes. You know, I'm not entirely sure whether or not I'm going to put them together yet as um, individual snippets or memories, or whether or not I shall I shall sort of collate them into a narrative based around a, a various themes. But that kind of depends on what people send me, um, and at which point I decide I've got enough. But the other thing, the main thing that I'm doing at the moment is I'm collecting photographs. And it's photographs of the ground, not of the players or the pictures, and it's not selfies, but it's, it's pictures that have got elements of the structure of the stadium as it was in the background. And I'm digitising them and plastering them on a, on a, a 3D model that I've created or I'm creating of the stadium. Um, and so the idea is, is ultimately that we're going to have this thing that if, if I get the technology right, that you'll be able to do some sort of a headset walkthrough of the old stadium um, and, and where the photographs are stitched together. It'll probably look, you know, at least in its first incarnation, I'm expecting it to look something a little bit like a virtual realities game from the 90s. It'll be a, yeah. feel like GoldenEye where everybody's got flat faces. and you What's know, that old lawnmower man? Yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. So, I mean, you know, because I'm learning as I go, but... Um, what I'm trying to do is, is where I get images and I'm asking people to tell me what, what match was, was being played on the day they took the pictures, who they were there with, where they'd come from, you know, and various other little bits of information, who were their favourite players, that sort of thing. And so as you go through, you'll be able to pinpoint photographs that will have this information embedded in it. So it's almost like the stories will physically make up the structure of this virtual world. Um, and I'm hoping that if I can get enough interest in it, then and if I can get enough material, that I'll be able to do almost phases. So like you said, you know, the ground has existed in more than one form, you know, and it would be nice to be able to get some photo renditions of, uh, you know, maybe, you know, the East Stand and the Shelf and, and you know, the Paxton and the Park Lane as they were. Um, uh, you, know, um, you know, the funny little, there used to be this funny little triangular roof bit that always fascinates me where they joined um, onto the old West Stand. It was, it was like a really weird little triangular bit that jutted out. And I'm doing this really good audio um, technique of waving my hands in the air now, aren't I? <laughs> so, but yeah, you know, and so there's these funny little architectural details that I'd really love to get some renderings of. And, and then we might be able to merge the ground over time, you know. So, so yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. 
United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's just kind of, it's twofold, isn't it, the, the new stadium? Because I, I know a lot of my friends, like a lot of my Guna mates, for example, they were a bit like, yeah, get over it. Like, we've had to move yeah. somewhere completely removed from what you're saying. I, I mean, I read your article for yeah. the fighting cop before yeah. um, before we started recording this, and you kind of you, you, you had that nod to what Highbury is now. It's luxury yeah. apartments, yeah. no ball games. That, yeah, yeah. It's such a juxtaposition of, yeah, yeah, absolutely. of exactly everything that it was. And it's, it's it, that, that the thought of White Hart Lane, as it is being that, it, it Almost sends a, 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 I don't know, it makes your blood run cold. Yes, it, it does. Horrible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does. And I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, surely there are people that that we probably know from the pub that that know much more to what extent it we came, how close we came to leaving. Yeah, you yeah, know, of course. Uh, you know, and, and I like to think that Levy was just playing games with the planning committee. But you don't know. I mean, no. You know, can you imagine if it was us that was at Stratford now? You know, and, and the debacle that's been West Ham for the last year. Um, and, yeah, that whole thing about hybrid. Highfield Road's the same in Coventry. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's just nothing there. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's. I'm trying to think what... Wimbledon. Wimbledon. Okay, Johns, you know, yeah, it's... yeah. Uh, I mean, sometimes they get the, you know, you get a reprieve. I think the valley was empty for a few years, wasn't yeah. it? You know, and they were able to sort of go back from what I understand. It's, it's out Wimbledon going back to Plough Lane. They've got their... Have they got it through? Yeah, they got the permission oh, wow. to go back so that old dog track's getting knocked down and uh, oh, well, yeah. yeah, we're gonna build that up. But um Yeah. But, but but still on this though, there is still something, even though we are staying in that same place, our match day experience is the same for the extent of you know, travelling there and yeah. probably be able to visit much of the same pubs and things like that, the routine at least. But it has to change, doesn't it? And it, it, it's not even because I sort of saw the uh, the phrase. I think it was Mr. Ollie Lister who yeah. who used the phrase "trick." There's something triggers broom about yes. this about the yeah. about White Hart Lane, and I see that to an extent to White Hart Lane how yeah. it was. You know, yeah. stands getting knocked down, yeah, rebuilt, rebuilt because there was that point, wasn't there? What White Hart Lane was when it like got knocked down mm. was so far removed from what, from it, what was it was. When it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it was still. It that was the same stadium. And, and I think really? the thing is, is that is that the Triggers Broom analogy is quite a good one in some respects. But uh, because if you look at it on the surface, yes, like you say, that the ground that they just demolished last month had very, very little resemblance to the one that we won the UEFA Cup in, yeah. and that's not very long ago. You know, I mean, uh, there was only, I mean, even the West Stand had changed over the years. You know, so um, but then again, it didn't. It wasn't a wholesale change. So bits changed one at a time. First the West Stand went, and then, you know, eight or nine years later the East Stand changed, and then the North and South, you know, and then we got the, you know, we got the the, the bowl and the jumbotrons, and you know, and all that kind of stuff. So it, it's not like it changed overnight, and yet wholesale we are all going to White Hart Lane for the first time when we go back. Yeah, you know, and so you know there are bits of of that old ground that were there when I first went and then, you know, I had a bit of a hiatus in the nineties. Luckily I missed, you know, quite a lot of, um, 
the very, very worst times. And so I sort of saw it change gradually, you know, over the course of two or three seasons. Uh, and, and that incremental change means that you don't really notice it being Trigger's Brew. Whereas now, you know, Glass Tunnels and, and Michelle Rue Jr. And, and Cheese Rooms. Cheese, yeah, I mean, it is, it is a very different... You know, that's they're selling a very... And, and I don't want to fall into the cliches of, of that, but saying it's a very Americanised version of a sporting event. Mm. You know, you go for an experience, whereas we go for a football match and you're only in the ground for as long as the game's on or as long as it takes you to get in and out, you mm. know. And really, the you know, I spend far more time in the Amber Farms than I do in White Hart Lane um, on a match day, whereas the idea that the club have got to maximise their income, uh, and you can't blame them because that's how everybody's doing it, is to get you there earlier and get you having a whole experience. Um, and uh, it's a funny thing. I had a bit of a taste of it, and I so keep going back to Coventry because they're a local club. But when they first built the Rico, when they were still, you know, it was still their stadium, and, and um, I think there was the championship side at the time, I went there um, to see us play them in the League Cup. Now, uh, a good friend of mine is, is a corporate um, season ticket there because um, uh, he runs his own business, and we went the corporate match experience which meant I wasn't allowed to wear jeans or a shirt or a football shirt um, when we, we we pulled up outside the Rico we were ushered into a car park um, we went in through a, a you know a, a, these swishy glass doors and somebody gave us a free £10 bet and then we went upstairs and I had you know uh, like medallions you know bought medallions for on a free course meal yeah yeah you know and then they drew back the glass doors and we all watched the game in, in seated cushions so it was like like Roman about it, isn't yeah, there? Like yeah, yeah, it really kind of... is. It, it was the most surreal football experience I've ever had. Um, and and so you can sort of see that that's how it's going and that's probably how certainly a percentage of the people that will go to the new ground will experience it. And, you know, that's just life now, isn't it? Football isn't what it was, you know. They made a conscious decision to gentrify it, you know, Ooh. after the Taylor report. Uh, and this is just the upshot of it. Uh, and obviously, you know, we're we're going to be sharing the ground with an American football team. So, you know, I mean, those those it, it's it's a totally new chapter, isn't it? Totally. It's a. I guess we have to sort of re, you need to rebuild it, and like you're showing yeah. documentary with the old White Hart Lane stuff. You're only really going to feel at home there once you start building those new memories. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. Because you've you've mentioned to me before, it's like semiotics. Yeah. Yeah. It? Yeah. So this 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 idea of like of us becoming a part of because I know it's originally it's to do with language and how shapes have formed language and yeah, well, text and script and stuff. Semi- semiotics really is a study of symbolism. Yeah. So so I mean it's a, yeah it's 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 a theory that is applied to to things like landscapes and and communities. Um, it's almost like retro applied. So it's like we've taken the idea. Uh, there's that idea, and there's something else called phenomenology, which is the idea of of experiencing. Um, particularly how past cultures existed and interacted by moving through a landscape. Mm. Now, the ideas that I take from those two theoretical models and apply to this in a very clunky way is that um, is that yeah, it's the symbols that 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 tie you to the, to the landscape, and that you know, it's you, let's say for instance your journey from Seven Sisters Station down to to White Hart Lane takes in the high cross at the junction at the top of the high road, you yeah, know, and, yeah. um, you know, there's all of the, the, you know, there's the restaurants and bars and that that have got the, see, you know, the home ticket holders only signs up and all of the things that you see and, and there's that, there's that, there's a really intriguing club halfway down on the left-hand side that, 
I don't know where it's like a music. Um, they've got they've got always got like an old bus in the car park. Yeah, yeah, front, yeah. You know, and it kind of looks half derelict. And you think, oh, I wish I was here at two in the morning to see yeah. what, what what goes on in there. And and so, <clears throat> like those are the those are the these little subconscious books. Um, and and it's like, um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's just like a, a tapestry. Right? It is. It's of like your... a tapestry. Yeah, and it's a tapestry of experiences. Because each one of those things have come to your attention or, or have become embedded in your memory at some point. Um, and, and it goes beyond the football club. and It goes beyond the football experience. Recently, on my way home from, um, from a match, I stayed in the pub a bit too long and it was dark by the time I came out. And I tweeted a picture of walking through the cemetery. And Flav uh, Bateman replied and went, oh, you know, I've asked my first girlfriend out on that footpath. 20 years ago or what have you. And so, you know, that's 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 that football landscape. It's around the ground, but still it, it overspills into other areas of your life. And so, you know, you can take that and, and apply it to any any element of it, including what goes on in the ground, you know? Um, I mean, I've been a bit of a nomad in the stadium. I've never been a season ticket holder, so I've always yeah, had tickets. Fan, yeah. yeah, always had tickets wherever I can get them or prefer to be on the East if I can. Um, and, you know, there are two or three people that... Um, you bump into over the years, you know, and you sort of, you know that those guys are in a group, you know, um, and that I only ever latch onto it for a short duration and then we're at somewhere else in the ground. And, but you wonder how those groups of people that have been going to the football together for, for 30 or 40 years, whether that's going to be transplanted into the new stadium or whether or not, it, you know, it'll be a mixture of new friendships. But... You know, will there be any continuity of the football experience? And I'm beginning to talk a bit like a marketing man, and I using that. <laughs> uh, the, the football experience at Tottenham, you know, that mix of, of surprise and devastation. <laughs> Once again, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah. You know? uh, but, on the one hand, abject despair. On the uh, other hand, yeah, you know? abject despair. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Uh, yeah, abject thanks. despair and an eight-hour drive home, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's... Like the symbolism of it is a really interesting thing because it's a difficult thing to try and explain to people without... You have to have a dialogue where you... And, and quite often people say, well, I don't know what I'm on about. I don't think it applies to me. And then you'll say something like, oh, well, they're going to shut that chicken shop. Oh, my God, it's fucking outrageous because I've been going there for 20 years. And, and, and it's only when people start to think about how the change affects them. And I think that the, what, what has not concerned me about the project, but what I hope the club have done a little bit better than many big developments do is that they're redeveloping the area and they're going to have a Sainsbury's and, a, and a, you know, this new college and all these employment opportunities. But, you know, you're dropping wholesale a landscape into a community because, you know, Tottenham is a very poor area yeah. and you have long-established family communities of which the football supporters aren't really part of. You know, I mean, I wouldn't ever say that, that I have any, any communal... Um, Link with Tottenham, other than the fact that I spend money in their pubs. Yeah, you know, uh, and I would never sort of think to supplant myself into that. But, but I think it gets lost in the mix of it all that there's all of this, you know, there's this this great maelstrom of stuff going on, you know, and there's a lot of people objecting to the, to this redevelopment, and there's a lot of people's feelings have been trampled on. They did make mm. a documentary about it a couple of years ago with David Lammy, and you know, they went to some of the other buildings, and it was before Archway Steel strangely caught fire. Um, just before a key deadline, it does, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's slightly probably uh, best we don't. <laughs> yeah, let's not go there. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but, uh, you know, there was all these other businesses that, uh, you know, sort of say, look, you know, you're ripping up our entire community with this. Yeah. And, and so, you know, that's where it sort of comes back into this. The symbolism of the community is much wider and deeper than just the football. And uh, it's a really interesting thing because Tottenham's a very, very interesting part of London. It's like it's it's a world within another world, mm. isn't it? That, like you say, mm. like we are just, you know, when I think about Tottenham, as you've yeah. quite rightly said there, to yeah. me, Tottenham is just it's the football. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, uh, it's not just the football. You know, it's where I met Charlotte. Like, yeah, you know, it's where my dad's. You know, me and my dad used to go watch yeah. games together. This kind of thing. You know, made some very good friends there. Yeah. Um, it's not just about the football, it's everything outside of that. But at the same time, what I mean is it's all within that context. Yeah, well, this is it. If the football club wasn't there, none of those things would have yeah. happened. Yeah. And I have no tie to tie yeah. to them. So you are you almost live within a bubble within this area. And it you know, when you're sitting there you know, when you got a scarf got a scarf, a replica scarf with like the Pride of North London yeah. on it and all this kind of stuff. And it's it's so removed from mm from what the actual area is and that link to it. And I guess we probably need to be more mindful of that. When you, because, you, you know, a few people get pissed off with local businesses and stuff because you're like, oh, this is my club. Stop, yeah. stop pissing on my club. And you think, well, this is, this is someone's home. This though, is, yeah, this is time. it, you know. I mean, and there's that really deep irony, you know, when we I was at the Arsenal game, you know, at the end of the season and, and uh, we were joyfully all singing about North London being ours without any sense of irony on that particular occasion. Uh, and yet, actually, it's it's North London. It's not even mine. It's let alone ours. I mean, it, yeah. whether it's not, yes, I know it's not theirs. You know, it's another step removed. But you know, it's just like this. Is this deep irony? And you think, you know, how many of these people have driven a hundred miles to come and shout at a few people that have got on a bus from Islington? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm one of them. You know, and and long may it continue. But um, you know, it's it. There are levels, aren't there, of 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 belonging to anything. Um, but I mean, it's a really, really funny place, Tottenham. It's a really, like the history of the area is, 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 is like you used the word tapestry earlier. It's a real, um, very complicated tapestry. There's a lot of layers to it. You know, I mean, it's, it's one of the very earliest boroughs and it's got a very deep history in the Norman conquest of being given out as a land parcel. And, and here's a really funny, one of those examples of the world being really small. Um, a few years ago, I used to do a lot of work and, and I spent an awful lot of time in Ireland. Um, one of my favourite places in, in Ireland um, is a, a place called Duckett's Grove, which I can't remember, is it in Clare? Um, it's, it was just south of Shillelagh where I used to stay. And, we used, and it's this, room, this tumble-down old house and they're trying to um, uh, create something from it and put some economy in it to stop this house falling down, but... It's largely derelict anyway. And so there's this little art thing that goes on there. And it's an interesting little place to visit from an archaeological point of view, just because it's a house that's fallen to bits. But when I was doing a bit of research on White Art Lane when I first started my project, one of the first things that I noticed that actually the parcel of ground that was sold, that was then sold on again to, to become the market garden that was then sold for the football ground, um, belong to the family, the Duckett's family from the, 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 from the really? south in Ireland, yeah. And so you look, bloody hell, it's a small world, isn't it? Um, but there used to be a manor house there on, on the site of, of, uh, yeah. of, of the ground. There was a moated manor house there with a drawbridge and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And if that hadn't burnt down in, in the 17th century, it's very unlikely that there'd have been a football ground there in the first place. 
Well, it's a, it's a really cricket ground, was it? Oh, uh, well, to start with, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe it was a market garden as well. I believe it had been a, it had been used for sort of vegetable growing and that. When it because Wayne Tottenham was a leafy suburb, you know, so it was, um, you know, there was there was uh, occupation so far up the high road, and then it was all it was all sort of small holdings and farmland. It's one of those things, isn't it? The Arsenal fans like to say the piss out, saying we're we're actually a Middlesex club, isn't it? As yeah. Opposed to like, you know, yeah. Like it's the same as them moving to college. But no, it's funny that you, you talk about that with the symbolism, though, sort of jumping back into that, because yeah. there's, there's, people have even been kicking off about, like, the fact that the train station is going to be renamed It's going to be White renamed, yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I've got really conflicting conflicting uh, feelings about it, because there's a very practical reason, is that because with this new stadium, they're hoping to encourage more people that aren't Tottenham fans to come to the ground. And obviously for the American football, you know, so you have to have that. Ah, yeah, that's where it is on the map. But, you know, I always sort of think, well, give people, people with some bloody intelligence. You know, you can say, yeah. it's White Hart Lane Station. You know, if you want to go to Tower of London, you go to Monument, is it Monument Hill? I think so, yeah. yeah, yeah. They've never renamed that Tower of London yeah. Station, have they? Yeah, so, uh, you know, and people seem to manage to find their way there. And I really like, one of the things I love about about Tottenham is, 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 is the area, is the language that's, the, the rural language that's embedded in that landscape. So you've got Worcester Avenue. I mean, Worcester's just at the road from yeah, and uh, and the Pershaw Road and all those things, uh, and there's all these funny little uh, places that, that reflect. You know, there's Banbury Road and there's all these other roads in the area that reflect other parts of the country. But White Hart Lane is a really common rural road name. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so uh, and I just love the way that it, it has kind of fossilized. Yeah. Is a term we use. Lots of like White Hart's Roebucks, isn't there? Those yeah, type yeah, of that's like, it. Yeah. yeah, and it's because it was a hunting ground. Yeah. So, and this goes back to the Norman Conquest, you know, that the parcels of land were given out and, and the, the aristocracy hunted deer and game as a pastime. And so places like, that, that carry those, those names, it's, it's a fossilised uh, reminder of, of key historical events in British history. So things like the Norman Conquest, things like, um, you know, the Reformation and, and you know, uh, the expansion of London and all these things. Uh, and, and, you know, the dissolution of the monasteries and all these kind of things, they're not all around Spurs, but, you know, certainly in various areas of the sort of North London suburb belt, as it was, um, is you've got all of these sort of nods to what the land always used to be used for. You've got these just like, you know, grope tunnels and stuff yeah, like that, yeah, though, isn't it? there? You yeah, know, yeah, there's, yeah. There's... yeah. Um, funnily enough, you know, I mean, we, um, where I live, I, I'm kind of really gutted, actually, my house faces the other way. That if it faces, if it, if my house faced east rather than west, I live on Fighting Pot Coast. Close, yeah, really? And, yeah, yeah. And I don't. I live on Southam Street because because of the door opens onto the other road. And so that spurs it out, yeah, right? isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I think it's a shame to lose that that history, you know, because I think it's needless. Well, halfway points. Yeah, I think that's needless. I mean. <laughs> Because I think the, the worry is going to be, right, because we, we, we kind of say, oh, we'll, we're always going to call it White Hart Lane. We'll yeah. always call it White Hart Lane. But, but will know, we? Maybe we will, but it's well, generations it. to come, isn't it? Well, and this is it. I mean, there's a, the, the one thing that I always think about that, though, is, is Newcastle. Because a few years ago, Mike Ashley, he, he said it's not St. James's Park anymore, it's the Sports Direct Stadium or whatever he yeah. called it, yeah? And there was such a furore about it that he, in the end he sort of relented and he went, right, well, we're going to call it the Sports Direct Aps and James's Park. Yeah, that was and, it, right. And now... But he even did it with an at, hasn't he? Yeah, like, but now, who calls it that? Everybody calls it St. James's Park. 
Yeah. So, um, and the other thing is as well is it, okay, is it um, Champions League where they're not allowed to use sponsors' names? So believe so. Yeah. yeah. So is it like when they play at the Swamp, they have to say it's the Arsenal Stadium and not the Emirates? No. Is it is it Ashburton Grove? Ashburton Grove, yeah. and they call it Eastlands instead of Manchester City's Emirates. Uh, oh, do they? Yeah. Okay. I think so. I, I might be wrong. No, no, I know. I'm sure there Twitter will tell me yeah. if I am. Yeah, but um, but yeah, um, and so you sort of think, well, maybe you know, somebody will call it White Hart Lane. I don't know. Do we have a, a project name that it would be called, or do you think it would still be White Hart Lane? In that I don't, instance, I don't, is it? I think Northumberland Park. Northumberland Park. Yeah. Northumberland Park. Right, yeah. Yeah. Because that was the original name, wasn't it? Okay. Yeah, I yeah. believe that was the original name of the landholding. So, um, Does the song go if you know your history? I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. I'm showing that. Like, yeah, yeah. But, with um, a flom here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, in, in terms of the project, are you you're, you're looking for people to get involved? I am. Yeah, I, I want people to send me if you would if you allow me the um, the opportunity to, to publicise it. I would love people to send me photographs or anecdotes, preferably both. Um, uh, you can either uh, get in touch with me on Twitter. We, I'm at Rich Grove, but I've got it's at R I T C H G R O V E, or just search for the Dalai Farmer, which is my screen name. It's good. Uh, and um, the actual project it exists at uh, has an email address, which is myheartlane at gmail dot com. Um, and the page, which has currently got a, a, a little bit of information and, and a couple of uh, articles on it, is myheartlane.wordpress.com. So um, there are two or three ways to get in touch with me. Um, and, and anything, I mean, literally, it's photographs that have got a chunk of the ground that I can clip out or, or you know, not necessarily without people in them, but I definitely don't want pictures of the pitch. I don't want pictures of people celebrating goals or that kind of stuff. Um, it's 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 inside and outside of the ground, so the area around the high road. Um, today, recently, or, or going back in the past. Um, and yeah, I, I, I mean, I want anything. I won't discard anything, you know. And obviously, everybody that contributes something will be fully credited, you know. Or, you know, everybody will have. Um, you know their name or any information or anything that they want included um, then I'm happy to do that and if anybody has uh, physical photographs I can take um, scans of them or if you want to post them to me I can scan them and send them back but email me and we can sort it out you know uh, and, and I'm happy to cover people's costs I hope so mate so as one last recap because it's yeah. public. We've yeah. suddenly got a lot more around you now yeah. since we're going. We're in. popular. That's why. Well, I yeah. think it's us, isn't it? It's it is. The crowds, yeah. You know. um, where can people send their stories to for the for your project? Okay, so it's myheartlane all one word at gmail dot com. Rich, that's the email address. So there you are. Rich, it's been a pleasure, mate. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Really nice. Cheers. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.